And welcome into 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter, joined as always by my partner in crime, John Paulson. John, how are we doing today? You know, Anthony, it sounds like you have a pep in your step today. I feel good. I feel good, John. Uh, it's you got not the often, win. Yeah, it's not often that not only my Falcons win, but they do so when they had every opportunity to choke. And a, a, <laughs> a, a, quick, a quick story. So I'm watching the game last night, and my wife, Kristen, she'll, she cares that I care about the, the, the Falcons and football, but she really she couldn't care less about the, the, the like sports really that much. So she, she, uh, she took a shower in like the first half of the, the game, and then she comes down like midway through the third quarter, and she's, uh, she's in the kitchen. She goes, how, how, are the, how are the Dirty Birds doing? And I said, well, they're up by one, and it's like midway through the third quarter. And she looks at me and she goes, is this normally when they start choking? And I, and I looked at I looked at her and she goes, oh, wait, sorry. No, that's probably later on, isn't it? I'm like, you got jokes tonight, don't you, Kristen? You got jokes. But, She's killing you. you know, but anyways, yeah, it, it's probably not good from like a, a draft standpoint, but I got to be honest, as a fan, like this, the standalone game last night, I, I, I cared more about them winning and not blowing a lead than, you know, the draft pick, but... Moving on, let's talk about the music that brought us in today. Yeah, that's a, a track uh, called Black Moon Rising by the Black Pumas. Uh, we have featured the song Colors, which is their biggest hit uh, so far uh, on the pod earlier. Uh, I don't know if it was this year or year before. I guess it was this year at some point because it came out in 2020, uh, their debut album, which is uh, self-titled Black Pumas. They're from Austin, Texas. Great sound. Uh, so check them out. All right, the Most Accurate Podcast is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, home of the snake draft format, the Battle Royale. More on that a little bit later on. A couple of housekeeping items, 4 for 4, as we've told you in recent podcasts. We have Discord. It's a community where 4 for 4 subscribers can interact with each other. And the 4 for 4 analyst, it's where John Post is thinking inside the box series of stats every single Monday. If you're interested in joining, great. Go to bit.ly slash 4 for 4 Discord, and that's the number 4. F-O-R, the number four, Discord, that's all in lowercase. Verify your subscription and get started. As we've told you as well, if you haven't signed up for 4 for 4, you can get a 4 for 4 subscription. If you sign up for Monkey Knife Fight, which is a daily fantasy site, you just need to be a new Monkey Knife Fight user. Deposit $10 into your account after you sign up. That offer is also good for a 4 for 4 Pro or DFS subscription, so it's up to a $99 value, kind of a no-brainer, assuming that you do live in one of the 37 approved states or in Canada. Details can be found at bit.ly slash 4 for 4 MKF. That's all lowercase as well. That offer is good for existing 4 for 4 subscribers as well. Just go through the process. And then email support at 444.com to let them know, and you'll be added you'll you'll receive a, a year onto your existing subscription. If you don't want to take advantage of the Monkey Knife Fight promotion, you should know that 444's Halloween sale is going on right now. You can get a classic subscription for just $9. It's That's an incredible value. You can get a pro subscription for $14 and a DFS betting you could get a DFS slash betting subscription for $24. So uh, a lot of fast food costs more than $24 right now. So if you want to win some money, 
either in um, uh, fantasy circles, DFS circles, or betting, this is the time to do it. We got our four four Halloween sale going on right now. Could Let's I talk. could I add something yeah, to that, Anthony? Absolutely. Go ahead. Um, the pro sub I would recommend if you're gonna if you're gonna check out four 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 you haven't yet I would check out the pro sub at, at a minimum you could do the pro sub or the DFS betting sub but the the pro sub includes league sync and if you uh, sync up your league with uh, the site it can tell you when you look at the rankings it can show you your players you can show you available players so you could quickly go through your uh, waivers and see who's available I use it for my four leagues and it's made it. You know, I really used to hate waivers. Now I just only mildly hate waivers. Uh, but it makes it really easy to see who's available in your leagues. You don't have to like look through the waiver wire at each of your leagues and try to find somebody to pick up. I mean, this the site will tell you, the league sync will tell you uh, who's available. Uh, you look at the rest of the season rankings, who's available from a long-term standpoint, and you can look at the weekly rankings and see who's available you know, as a spot start this week. So it's a really useful tool. So if you are going to check out the site, that's I would definitely recommend at least the ProSub uh, for the rest of the season so you could, could try out League Sync. It, it's incredibly easy to use. John will tell you, John and I have been working together for what, John? I mean, what, 15 years now or so? Many moons. Yeah. So John will tell you, um, we work together daily uh, before we got together on 4 for 4. I am not the most savvy you know, computer user, app user, I, I, technology goes over my head. Uh, but with the League Sync, it's so easy. I got the app on my phone. You just download the settings at the start. And then like John was telling you, it'll, it'll just tell you, hey, look, this is the projected, this is the highest projected score who's on your waiver right now. Pick pick this guy up. So if I can use it, uh, anybody can use it. <laughs> Let, let's talk about some of the news for week, what is it, eight now? Yeah, week eight. Antonio yep. Brown okay. signed with the Buccaneers last week. How does this impact the receiving cores now in Tampa? He can't play until week nine, so nothing, you know, doesn't have, have any sort of effect this week. He's still on suspension. Uh, but him coming in changes everything for uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, uh, certainly for Scott Miller, and, uh, and uh, certainly a boost for Tom Brady. Um, if you remember, uh, Antonio Brown played a single game uh, in 2019 for the uh, New England Patriots, and he had eight targets, uh, catching four of them for 56 yards and a touchdown from Tom Brady. Uh, he played 34% of the snaps that week and got eight targets. So that's quite the uh, usage from Tom Brady. Uh, Josh Gordon was on the team at that point. He had five targets. Julian Edelman had four targets in that game. So there wasn't like it wasn't like there was no other uh, receivers available for for Brady to throw to. So uh, you know you think he was the one lobbying for Brown to come sign you know with them, and I think he's really determined to win a Super Bowl. Uh, maybe stick it to Bill Bel- Belichick and kind of prove that he was the reason they won Super Bowls instead of Belichick. Belichick. Um, so I think we're going to see a lot of Antonio Brown, especially in three wide receiver sets. Once he gets up to speed, uh, I, it feels like Chris Godwin is ahead of Mike Evans when they played together so far this year. Mike Evans' uh, target share has gone way down, like dropping from twenty-five percent without Godwin to about ten percent, twelve percent with Godwin. So I think Antonio Brown even puts more of a more pressure on Evans' targets. Uh, I guess the good news is that for these guys anyway, is that O.J. Howard's kind of out of the way, so you you don't have two tight ends to deal with. You just have Gronkowski to deal with. But that's four, you know, mouths to feed uh, in this offense, and it's going to be very interesting to see how it affects everyone. I think Godwin probably is 
his targets are going to go down as well. Um, I still think he's a wide receiver two type, uh, but we'll have to see how uh, the targets shake out in his offense. All right, let's go over some injuries now for Week 8. Odell Beckham Jr., he's out for the year. How does this impact Baker Mayfield and the Browns receivers? Uh, you saw Richard Higgins do really well um, last week with uh, uh, with uh, Beckham uh, injured. Uh, he got injured early in the game, and, and Higgins ha- and had his best game of the year. So he's the starter now, I think, alongside uh, Jarvis Landry. I think Jarvis Landry's t- uh, targets go up. Uh, his snaps are, have been hovering around 70%, but he might see a bit more time now. Um, Baker Mayfield, you would think, would be hurt by the loss of Beckham, but it seemed like he, he had five touchdowns last week and just seemed like maybe not having to force the ball to Beckham so much, maybe he's able to see the field a little bit better and just throw it to the open man. Uh, I can't imagine that long-term it's going to be a good thing for Baker Mayfield, but uh, in the short term, at least last week, it, he, he did look like a better quarterback. Uh, I think Higgins is definitely a, a worthy of pickup if you haven't. I mean, obviously, waivers have already run. It's Friday, so waivers are already run. But if he's sitting out there in your waiver wire and you need any help at receiver, I think he's a he's a nice pickup. Let's go over some Seattle running backs now. Chris Carson, foot, not ruled out yet, but cost maybe some fantasy owners last week when he left that game early against the Cardinals. Carlos Hyde did look good, but he's now dealing with a hamstring injury, and then Travis Homer's dealing with a, a knee injury. And then what are your thoughts on DJ Dallas as well? This is a tough uh, situation uh, because Carson is a, considered a game-time decision, although uh, I tend to think that with a foot sprain, he's not going to play. And then Travis Homer has a knee bruise. Uh, so he's the third running back. Carlos Hyde has a hamstring. Uh, he's the backup. He had ended up with, I think, 18 touches last week and had a good game. But he's got uh, like a tight hamstring. And the way that uh, Pete Carroll is talking about these players, or at least Hyde and Carson, is that they're going to be game-time decisions and they, the hamstring might not allow Hyde to play. Uh, so then you're down to Homer, who's got the, the knee injury, and DJ Dallas. And I didn't see much of DJ Dallas in the last game, but I did see him totally below a pass block. <laughs> so I remember seeing that in the game. So I don't know how much they trust him. They're, they're bringing in Alex Collins. Uh, they're dusting him off, and he's going through COVID testing. So I think he might be able to be uh, to play this week. I'm not 100% sure on the timing of that. Um, but you might be down to Homer and DJ Dallas, and then in that case, Dallas is the one healthy Running back, and if you uh, you know need a running back to run out there, uh, you know either Homer or Dallas would be uh, a decent start. I mean, they're probably going to see 20, 25 touches at least uh, between the two of them. If it's those two, uh, if it's Hyde, then I would run him out there. Uh, he, he's clearly ahead of Homer and Dallas right now. And if somehow Carson's available, he's obviously the, the play. But uh, Seattle plays at 1:25 p.m. Uh, Pacific, so late game on Sunday, uh, four, I guess that's four, what, 425 Eastern. Um, so we won't maybe not know until uh, inactives are released whether or not uh, which of these players is actually going to be available. Devontae Freeman was absent from practice on Thursday due to an ankle injury. It's the first official injury report for the Giants because they're playing Monday night against the Buccaneers. If, if Devontae Freeman can't go, do you like Wayne Gallman against the Bucs, or is this just a situation to avoid altogether given how Tampa's defense has played? 
Well, you'd like to avoid it because the Bucks defense is great, but some owners can't, and they're just stuck, and they need some touches to get some points out of that running, running back two or running back three spot or a flex spot. And Gallman did see, uh, I think, 15 touches last week, had a touchdown. Uh, so he'll get you some points. But he's not uh, he's not somebody I'm excited about running out there if, if Freeman's out. He, he will get the, the workload probably, but... Um, the Bucks have played really well. Maybe he breaks a run and gets you some points, or maybe he scores a touchdown. Um, but I wouldn't count on it. You've got uh, a situation in Baltimore now with Mark Ingram. He's dealing with the, the ankle injury. He looks iffy for Sunday's matchup against Pittsburgh. He was he was sidelined Thursday and Thursday's practice. When you look at this situation, you got Gus Edwards likely to lead the the Ravens backfield he outcarried J.K. Dobbins 30 to 15 from weeks four to six so what do you think about Edwards and or Dobbins for week eight well it's the the issue here is the matchup with the Steelers is not good Um, so it's it's a similar situation to Gallman on top of it I mean this is a better much better rushing attack Um, but the Steelers are a red matchup that you're allowing 14.7 fancy points, uh, adjusted fancy points allowed to running backs. That's for standard. They're allowing 19.2 PPR. So it's just not a whole lot of fancy points to go around um, if if they split work, Dobbins and Edwards. Uh, And if Ingram is out, I would expect Edwards to lead in carries and Dobbins to be getting some carries and then also getting some catches. So he's probably in PPR formats. Uh, the better play because he has those high, high value catches. Um, it's just another situation where it's not like it's a tantalizing matchup, you know, against Carolina or something or Vegas. Uh, but it's it's the Steelers, so there's just not going to be a whole lot of fancy points scored on the ground there for the Ravens. Packers running back Aaron Jones remained sidelined on Thursday. He's dealing with a calf injury. Do you anticipate that we see Aaron Jones and then? Do you like Jamal uh, Jamal Williams' matchup against Minnesota on Sunday? Yeah, this matchup isn't as good as it was last week against Houston, um, but uh, it's he's still a great play if if Jones sits. Uh, apparently, I'm looking up uh, Jones right now because sometimes things break um, as we <laughs> are recording. Right. Apparently, Bill Huber of I don't know if this is Bill Huber actual. He's a beat Packers beat writer. He has that looks like he's, he doesn't have a blue check, so I always have to check. You know, is this is this a a fake account on Twitter? It's amazing. But he just said uh, Aaron Jones and Zadarius Smith are today's Zoom calls, and he's asking, does that mean uh, Jones has a chance to play? And I would appreciate Bill just answering the question or saying that he thinks that or not, instead of posing the question to his followers. Uh, but it does seem like maybe if Jones is on the Zoom call, that maybe he'll be uh, might be active this week. So we'll see if he's a. Uh, uh, practices today, but he, he he didn't practice the last two days. Uh, the Packers are notoriously conservative with their uh, injuries. However, this is an important game, division game against Minnesota, and if he's close uh, or he feels good, they're gonna they'll, they'll play him at that point. Uh, so uh, we shall see. I I think if if Jones does sit, then Jamal Williams will be ranked as an RB one again this week. I mean, you saw the workload that he got. Uh, last week against Houston, uh, A.J. Dillon was, got four carries, I think, in the first half and one in the second, if I remember correctly. So they they just weren't really happy with what he was doing, I guess, in the first half, and they just handed the keys to, to Williams, who was excellent. Um, he's not as explosive as Jones is, obviously, but he's capable of 
um, getting what's blocked for him. And he's, he's good as a receiver as well. And, uh, has a nose for the end zone. So uh, I think that's where we're at. If, if Jones does practice today, um, then maybe he will get that game in uh, on Sunday, and they do, they do play early, so we should know uh, by early Sunday. Joe Mixon was not seen at Thursday's practice for the Bengals. It's, it looks like he might not play against the Titans. Gio Bernard did really well last week filling in for Joe Mixon. He rushed 13 times for only 37 yards, but the biggest impact that he had was five catches for 71 yards and a touchdown in the loss to the Browns. Would you feel comfortable firing up Gio Bernard again as a running back too? Yeah, definitely against the Titans. Um, Not the greatest runner at this point in his career, but great in the receiving game. He scored a receiving touchdown from Burrow, and um, he would handle almost all the touches in that backfield. So he's a great start if if, uh, Mixon's out again. It looks like he will be out again. What about Miles Sanders for the Eagles? He didn't practice on Thursday, dealing with a knee injury. Unfortunately for Miles Sanders' owners, the Eagles don't play until Sunday night against the Cowboys, but that would obviously be a great matchup. Uh, so thoughts on Miles Sanders and then also Boston Scott, the backup. Yeah, that's uh, that's one where I'm looking ahead to Week 9. They have a bye in Week 9, and if a, typically a team will hold out a player if they have a bye week following if they can get him fully healthy uh, for the stretch run and they can feel like they can win the game uh, without him. And I think that's probably the case here uh, with, with Sanders and uh, Boston Scott backing him up. Uh, Boston Scott did score a touchdown very late. He made me very nervous. I had him ranked pretty high, but he <laughs> it took all 60 minutes and he uh, found the end zone on a really nice catch. They, they'd be, uh, you know, it'd be, it'd be better served if they featured Boston Scott a little bit more. Uh, and this game is a there should be a lot of touchdowns scored in this game, so I like Scott a lot if he's uh, if he's the the RB one there for in Philly. And my guess right now is that uh, Sanders won't play unless he gets some sort of practice in uh, today. Julian Edelman he underwent a knee procedure. Looks like he's going to be out for a while. Is he droppable in twelve team PPR formats? Is there a pickup to be made here anywhere? Uh, it's funny that you asked that. Uh, I just cut. Julian Edelman, one of my leagues, um, and I actually picked up Jacoby Myers. It looks like Edelman's going to be out at least three weeks. They were talking about putting him on IR, which means he's going to be out for at least three weeks. Um, McMyers finally had a chance to play and had a good game. And Keel Harry has a concussion and doesn't. It's not clear whether or not he's going to be cleared in time for Week Eight. So you're, you know, you're kind of down to Bird, Myers, um, Isaiah Zuber. I mean, it's getting. It's getting ugly uh, for the the Patriots in the receiver receiving game, and I don't know that there's like a lot of players that uh, there's much value here. I mean, I would try Myers because he did seem like he produced with with uh, Cam Newton last week. Uh, maybe uh, he can do it, but you just this whole receiving core is just decimated, and there wasn't a whole lot of talent there to begin with, uh, begin the season with, and you know they don't really have they have two rookie tight ends, and Ryan Izzo is actually the one starting, and um, it's just getting pretty ugly, and um, the the weather conditions in Buffalo this week are, are a little rough as well. So it just I don't foresee a big uh, game for the the Patriots passing wise. Moving on to the Steelers wide receiver situation, you got Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith Schuster back at practice. How should owners approach this receiving course with Johnson and Smith Schuster, and then also Claypool when when Claypool's healthy, when they're all healthy? Yeah, John. Yeah, I mean when they're all healthy. We saw that last week. Uh, 
Big Ben uh, targeted Smith Schuster and Johnson a lot, and you know Claypool I think had one target, which was surprising, but he played like 60, 70 percent of the snaps. Uh, I think it was mid 60s. So that was kind of surprising because when Claypool had been on the field uh, earlier in the season, they were scheming to get him the ball. Uh, and that was not the case last week. And, you know, Johnson and Smith-Schuster really had the big games. Johnson had the huge game. Um, so when all three are healthy, I think Johnson is, you know, working his way into the wide receiver one role. Smith-Schuster has been um, not as productive as we were thinking he might be in this offense. Uh, he did get quite a few targets last week, but um, the more of the shorter variety, whereas uh, Claypool and Johnson are getting more, more of the downfield stuff. Uh, the one thing we did see and did learn last week was that Washington's role really shrinks when all three of those guys are healthy, so he's not playable. And that actually helps Claypool because, you know, if he's on the field 60%, 70% of the snaps, he's going to have some big games. And, uh, you know, last week was obviously a disaster for him, uh, but I think there's still still some big games in his future if he's the th- third receiver for this uh, Steelers team. Allen Robinson dealing with a concussion. He sat out Thursday. Do you anticipate that he won't play against the Saints on Sunday? We'll have to see uh, what he's able to do today. Uh, sometimes these guys that get concussed um, end up getting cleared on Saturday, and they can play by Sunday. This is the first I looked up his injury history. It's the first concussion that I could find, uh, so that bodes fairly well. But I don't know how bad of a concussion it was uh, for him. You know, maybe to to miss Week Eight. If he's out, uh, Darnell Mooney, Anthony Miller. Probably Javon Wims, maybe Ted Ginn gets in on the action against his old team, the Saints. But uh, again, the weather in Chicago is a factor. Uh, the Saints are better against the run than they are against the pass, so it is kind of a pass funnel team. But the Bears' passing game is not great, especially without Allen Robinson. Uh, so I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to count on any of these guys. But you know, Mooney Miller, they might end up seeing seven to ten targets. Uh, in this offense if, if Robinson sits. Debo Samuel is dealing with a hamstring injury. He's out for the 49ers. How about Brandon Ayuk as a sneaky start this week? Yeah, I've got him in the top 20. I think he's a he's actually a really good start uh, against the Seattle Seahawks, who are, I believe, 32nd in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. Uh, Ayuk went over 100 yards last week. Um, in the games that Debo missed earlier in the year, he had like some really good games. So I would feel really confident about using him against Seattle with with Samuel sidelined. Michael Thomas is dealing with both a hamstring and ankle injury. We've talked about him over the last couple of weeks. He did return to practice on Thursday. If he plays on Sunday in Chicago, would you start him if you were a Michael Thomas owner? If you're Michael Thomas owner, you probably have to start him. Uh, I mean, I guess if you're sitting on, um, I don't know, three top 20 receivers, you might be able to sit him <laughs> it's a tough matchup against Chicago it's outside uh the, the weather is not going to be great he's coming off the high ankle uh, and a hamstring injury so he's not probably not 100 percent. but he's Michael Thomas he's he was the number one drafted receiver in football um he could easily go out there and have 12 15 targets against uh the Bears and have a really good game so if he's healthy and looks like he's a go I think you need to start him but I don't know if I'm going to have him ranked top five like I normally would. I'm guessing he'd be in that five to 15 range somewhere. I'd have to look at the at his health and, um, and the matchups uh, at cornerback against the Bears. Moving forward here, let's talk uh, one tight end. Austin Hooper did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday. Do you like Harrison Bryant or David Njoku Sunday against the Raiders? 
Yeah, it was announced late, I guess, Sunday uh, that Bryant was actually going to get the start, and he ended up with two touchdowns. Uh, he had more snaps and routes than Njoku, and Njoku got a touchdown as well. I think this is a, a good spot uh, if Hooper is out again, which it looks like he will be with that appendectomy. Um, Bryant should, I mean, they should score some points in this game. Uh, I am a little bit worried about the weather in Cleveland as well, so maybe the long Pass attempts aren't going to be there, but maybe the short stuff will. Uh, and that m- maybe would suit Bryant for a, a high reception game. Uh, I think Njoku is startable in a pinch as well. It looks like they're going you know, to need as many receivers uh, to pick up the slack for Odell Beckham as possible. We'll get to John's sneaky starts. We'll get to some Thursday night football reactions as the Falcons pick up a massive victory against the Panthers. But I want to tell you about... Uh, our sponsor today. We all love snake drafts. We all love big prizes, but we don't all love big entry fees or multi-week contests. So Underdog Fantasy just released an all-new format for their snake drafts. It's called Battle Royale. In Battle Royale, you draft a one-week team like you normally would, but instead of only competing against the other teams in your specific draft, you compete with teams from other drafts. This way, they pool together the prizes so that they can offer big tournament-style payouts while keeping the live snake draft format that everybody seems to love. If you think this is your week, fantastic. You can draft the best team. You have to try Battle Royale. It offers the big upside. A normal snake draft can't with prizes that used to be only attainable in season-long or salary cap tournaments. The Battle Royale is already up in the Underdog app and on the website. It's $5 to enter, and it has a $25,000 prize pool and pays out $5,000 to first place. As I mentioned, John, Thursday night football, you, you saw a pair of NFC South teams go at it. It was the Falcons and the Panthers. And for the Panthers, it was a tough loss for them because with the expanded playoff field, they, they still kind of had an outside shot. Now at 3-5, and five, they look pretty slim. The Falcons still showed that they, they had a little bit of uh, life to them, even though they were 1-6 and six entering play. Matt Ryan, 21 of 30, 281 yards. He had zero touchdowns through the air, but he did run one in, and he had one interception as well. It was kind of a decent running night for Matt Ryan unexpectedly. Again, he had the touchdown uh, for the, the Falcons on the ground, and he rushed six times for 27 yards, none by design, of course. He, he scrambled for those. Brian Hill, <laughs> and this is this is the interesting one. This is this is the one where the fa- I think most fantasy owners will have questions about uh, outside of Calvin Ridley's injury. Brian Hill carried 11 times for 55 yards. Todd Gurley, 18 carries, 46 yards. He did score a touchdown, so his fantasy night was in a dud. He wasn't targeted, though, and, there, and he spent – Long stretches in the middle of the game on the sidelines. It didn't look like he had an injury or anything. They just The Falcons just stuck with Brian Hill. And then Julio Jones, big night, seven catches, 137 yards. Didn't find the end zone, but he was fantastic. Calvin Ridley, this one was tough. Targeted only four times because he suffered an injury. The x-rays apparently were negative on the ankle. He did catch three, three passes for 42 yards before exiting. Hayden Hurst, another decent night, five catches, 54 yards. And then Russell Gage, two catches for 25 yards. But I would imagine that if Calvin Ridley misses any time, Russell Gage could see some more targets. So your impressions of the Falcons last night from a fantasy perspective? Well, I was expecting uh, more from Matt Ryan from a touchdown standpoint. He did have the rushing touchdown, so that sort of took away the, the pa- you know, or offset the, the, the passing touchdowns. The big disappointment for me was Gurley because Carolina is uh, brutal against the run. Uh, and just looking at the entire – team 36 carries for 131 yards for 3.6 yards per carry was kind of surprising 
Uh, Gurley did get the touchdown, as you mentioned, that saved his fantasy day. Uh, he, they had been getting him more involved as a receiver heading into this game, but then they just kind of went away from that. He didn't. I don't think he had a target, or at least he's not showing up as a target on the ESPN box score. Uh, Brian Hill was targeted three times and catching two for, for nine yards. I mean, Hill just looks more like the more explosive back at this point, and I don't know if that's what they care about or if they want. Uh, I mean, Gurley's very adept around the goal line at scoring touchdowns, um, but, you know, the, the, the touch share was 18 to uh, 13 for Gurley to Hill. So Hill, I think, in, in these types of matchups against uh, bad rush defenses is, is a sneaky start. I think he's someone you could run out there because you're, you're getting, you know, 10 to maybe 10 to 15 or 10 to 14 uh, touches, uh, you know, against a bad defense because he is getting more involved in this offense. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I, don't, I also don't understand. I mean, when the, the Falcons had the ball backed up late with eight minutes left, and they wound up putting, a, putting together a, a decent drive to kind of soak up some time before eventually punting. And Gurley wasn't in on that, that drive. I mean, you, you sign him for six-something million dollars. You would think that when you need to milk clock that he'd be in, but he wasn't. Switching over to the Carolina Panthers, Teddy Bridgewater, 15 of 23, only 176 yards. He had a touchdown pass off a flea flicker. And he also had an interception to end the game. He missed a decent amount of time after taking a shot to the head. Uh, he, he missed almost almost a full series. P.J. Walker had to come in. Um, but a disappointing night for Teddy Bridgewater in what seemed, seemingly was a good matchup. Mike Davis, 13 carries, 66 yards, no score. Curtis Samuel had the one rushing score. Samuel also had four catches for 31 yards. He also had a, a receiving score, so Samuel kind of did it all again last night. DJ Moore, not a big night from a catch standpoint, but he was targeted six times, caught two of them for 55 yards. Robbie Anderson had five catches off eight targets for, for only 48 yards. And then Ian Thomas, the tight end, saw three targets, caught all three, and um, he had 28 yards receiving. So your impressions from the Panthers' side. This is a disappointing outing. Just like Gurley was disappointing in a, in a great matchup against Carolina, this is disappointing from a Bridgewater standpoint, not scoring more uh, fancy points or throwing for more uh, passing yards than, uh, than he did against the, the Falcons, who have been really bad against the pass. I mean, they're, they're a grade-A matchup for, for offenses at this point. And Mike Davis, uh, who leads – I saw a stat last night. He leads all running backs and catches. He only had two targets – uh, one for 11 uh, in a game where Carolina, you know, trailed most of the time. Uh, that, so that was surprising as well. Uh, just disappointing yardage numbers from from Moore and Anderson. Obviously, Sam, Samuel had the big game and had scored twice. Uh, but, you know, you're expecting bigger games from Moore and Anderson against this, this Falcons defense. So let me ask you this. Um, for, for owners who are streaming defenses, one of the options for Week 9, if you're looking ahead, is uh, Atlanta at home against Denver? Mm-hmm. Is normally we stay away from really bad defenses, but I'm not sure this Atlanta defense is that bad. Maybe they're like more mediocre. And you know, in a game against uh, Denver, who is I'm looking at the adjusted fantasy points allowed to defenses. Denver is right up there with the Jets as far as the best matchups for opposing defenses. So, would you stream the Falcons against the Broncos in Week Nine if you? that was one of your options so last week when the Steelers were playing the Titans I I had I have the Steelers defense in one of the leagues and I actually streamed the Falcons at home against the Lions and that that wasn't as good of a matchup as what you just noted with the Broncos to answer your question directly yes since they fired Dan Quinn and Raheem Morris took over as the interim coach 
they have played much better defensively. They had they, they gave up uh, 23 points to the Vikings, but a lot of those points were scored in garbage time. The week before, when they still had Dan Quinn, they only gave up 23 to Carolina. I know saying only 23 is, you know, 23 points is still a fair amount, but we are talking about a, a Falcons defense that hasn't been great. 23 points against the Lions, but as we know, eight of seven of those points came in the final seconds, and then 17 points last night to Carolina. Their pass rush looks to be improved. They've got a really young, inexperienced secondary, so they tend to give up uh, a fair amount of uh, big plays, which is a little bit of concern with Drew Locke and the way that he likes to throw the ball deep. But given the matchup and given their their um, the way they've played over the last month, John, I would say yes. I think they're a streamable defense next week. Uh, that's a good option for Week Nine. I'll just mention the Washington Football Team. They're coming off their bye, and they have the Giants uh, as well. And they're usually available on the waiver wire, uh, but they have a very fearsome front four and are pressuring the quarterback really well. So that's another good option for week. Yeah, I've streamed them as well. All right, let's wrap it up with some sneaky starts. It's my favorite time of the week. John hands out his uh, – I always love this. I, I do. It, it, it helps not only in year-long leagues but DFS as well when you're trying to piece together. You know, you need that one, one – uh, cheap option right yeah one inexpensive option to put yeah. you over the top so this this article is a must read and if you go to 444.com john's got a bunch of options that are available for sneaky starts in week eight but we'll hand up we'll, we'll give a couple per position let's talk about carson wentz so dallas we know that that's been a dumpster fire of a defense all season long and carson wentz despite some issues and despite the fact that he doesn't have a lot around him uh, you like him as a sneaky start on sunday night yeah, he scored at least 17.4 fantasy points uh, in our standard scoring in five straight games. Uh, the key here is the matchup with the Cowboys. The, the Cowboys' defense is rough. Um, it's bad. So there's going to be a lot of points, I think, scored in this game. Probably more on the Philly side because there is an issue at quarterback uh, with Andy Dalton uh, in the concussion protocol. Um, so, But I think what's, you know, in this game is... You know he's he's a threat to run for a touchdown. Probably without Miles Sanders, so puts a little bit more on his shoulders as a thrower. Uh, Jalen Rieger, it looks like he's going to be back. Um, he's got Travis Fulgham. These you know going to Richard Rodgers has performed pretty well, so there's enough weapons there for him. Uh, I just you know like it against this uh, this Dallas defense. It's a good matchup. Speaking of good matchups, Jimmy Garoppolo has a, a plus matchup against the Seahawks, as we've seen each and every week. Despite the fact that the Seahawks are playing well, and a lot of people think that they're a Super Bowl contender, it's mostly because of Russell Wilson. That offense, the defense has been shredded. So you like Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo as a sneaky start as well. Yeah, and they're a little bit. The Seahawks are a little bit of a, a pass funnel defense. Their rush defense is actually pretty good. So you know maybe they slow down the running game for the 49ers and. You know, Wilson puts up some points uh, in this game. The 49ers defense has got some injuries. Uh, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks have scored a lot. So if they get if they get the 49ers into uh, a trailing situation, then Garoppolo will throw the ball more than what they normally would want to, uh, Kyle Shanahan and company. Uh, I don't trust him generally as a starter. He has some weird games where he'll score like seven points, but then he'll come out and have 25 uh, because the game flow is a little bit different. But if you look at what the Seahawks have given up lately, you know, 360 and 2 to Kyler Murray, 249 and 2 to Kirk Cousins, 472 and 3 to Dak Prescott, 397 and 1 to Cam Newton, and 450 and 2 to your boy Matt Ryan. Uh, so, and, the, and the, this is like one of the highest totals uh, on the slate, 54 points. So there's going to be points scored in this one. I, I like Garoppolo as a streaming option. Uh, he's not safe, but 
this is just shaping up to be a, a high-scoring game. Speaking of that game, specifically 49ers and Seahawks, you also like running back Jamichael Hasty as an option for uh, sneaky starts as well if you're looking for a running back. Yeah, and he's run well. He's run strong. So I, th- I do think that the 49ers will be functional as a, a rushing team. That's what their bread and butter is. Uh, the-, the question here is how is Kyle Shanahan going to divvy up touches? Because when Raheem Mostert was out weeks three and four, Jarek McKinnon had like 38, I think, combined touches in those two games. But then last week, uh, McKinnon basically was the third running back behind Jeff Wilson, who got hurt. And Hasty, who has looked good. Uh, so Hasty had 10 touches for 73 yards last week. Um, most of it remains out. Uh, Tevin Coleman is trying to work his way back. They might activate him off of IR. Uh, I don't know if he'll be able to play in this game. Um, but, it, you know, Hasty looks like he's going to be the lead back if, as long as they, they continue to limit uh, McKinnon's workload. Um, Hasty is averaging 5.15 yards per carry. Uh, McKinnon is averaging 4.77, although if you remove his 55-yard run against the Jets in Week 2, he's averaging just 3.6 yards per carry. So Hasty has looked better from a consistency standpoint than McKinnon. So, yeah, if you need 10 to 15 touches uh, in what is probably going to be a high-scoring game, I think Hasty's a a decent start this week. This This is an interesting one, and I think it's a fun one because of the matchup. So you have Le'Veon Bell listed as one of your sneaky starts. And as we know, the Chiefs are going to host the Jets, which is his old team. And if you've listened to this podcast for years, you know that John does subscribe to the hashtag old team theorem. So Le'Veon Bell uh, this week could could be a, a great play. Yeah, it's, a, it's another name for the revenge narrative that, <laughs> that people talk about. Um, I do, it's anecdotal. Uh, I do think that coaches tend to give running backs especially uh, opportunities to score touchdowns against their old team. Uh, so this is a kind of a bitter, hard feeling situation between Bell and the Jets. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know exactly what's going on there, but they didn't ever seem to jive between uh, Bell and Adam Gase. So I'm sure Bell would love to find the end zone once or twice against the Jets this week. And you know, he did see 33% of the snaps in his very first game. Uh, he had six carries, 39 yards. Uh, he was involved in the first and third quarters, so it looked like they're planning to, you know, start Edwards Lair and then uh, bring in Bell. So rotate the two backs. Uh, Edwards Lair might still be the lead back, and then Bell is, you know, the change of pace, and he's the 10 to 15 tap touch type guy. But against the the Jets this week, especially if they jump out to a bigger lead, they might, you know, work bell in more and give him an opportunity to play against his old team and then uh lamichael p ryan you have listed as well he's on the other side of this matchup he's with the jets yeah and i mentioned him because uh, frank gore has some sort of hand injury he mispracticed thursday after taking limited reps on wednesday that's not unusual for him to mispractice because he's a vet and it's usually for rest but this is a hand injury so i don't know if he injured pra- injured it in practice or what's going on uh, but uh, P. Ryan is uh, likely to be the lead back against the, the Chiefs. And, um, you know, he had 13 touches for 55 yards on touchdown last week. Uh, he outsnapped Gore by a margin of 70% to 28% last week. So it does seem like he's taking over the starter for the Jets. And that doesn't mean a whole lot because the Jets are really a tough time scoring touchdowns. Um, but 
sometimes an owner just needs 10 to 15 touches and try to get 10 points out of his uh, running back two spot, and uh, P. Uh, P Ryan is a, a possibility for that. Uh, As John week. mentioned earlier in the podcast, that sometimes we get breaking news during the during the record of the podcast. Joe Mixon officially ruled out for Sunday, John. So Joe Mixon will not play for the Bengals. And we discussed Gio Bernard earlier, so uh, some thoughts on Gio Bernard if you get, want to cycle back through. But Joe Mixon officially ruled out for Sunday. Also want to point out that it that John included Curtis Samuel as a sneaky start, and he scored twice, as we mentioned in our Thursday Night Football recap. So, again, John's sneaky start articles are, are always – there's always a nugget there, uh, multiple nuggets, in fact. So let's move on for, to, to some wide receivers, some sneaky starts that you like on Sunday, including your guy Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who is playing the Vikings this weekend. Hi. You called him my guy. Did you? Were you being funny or? No, I don't like MVS in general. <laughs> I, we, Acosta de Paulson here. We watch him. We watch balls uh, bounce off his hand. Passes balls bounce off his hand. Doesn't sound very good. Passes uh, bounce off his hands every Sunday, and we just you know I look at my wife and we just roll our eyes. She doesn't like him either. However, this is uh, you know the Vikings and last time Valdez Scantling had a really good game. It was uh, back in week one, four for 96 and a touchdown against the Vikings. I think that was his last really good game. Uh, Alan Lazard is back at practice. I just want to mention him because he's available on some waiver wires. I picked him up in a couple leagues. Uh, you know, he obviously had a pretty good start to the season before the core muscle injury and nobody really has taken a hold of that wide receiver two spot for the Packers. So, that's going to be Lazard's probably for the remainder of the season. He's back at practice this week, so I don't know if he'll return. Um, if he does, then you can kind of scratch this one off the stinky starts list as far as Valdez Scantling being the guy. But he's the one that's out there running those routes, and he's uh, fast, and he might catch a long one for you uh, against the the Vikings, who are 29th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. I actually didn't know that you didn't like him. I just called him your boy because he's a Packer. <laughs> so I'll, I'll note that moving forward. If you're noticing a theme and you like to stack in DFS, this is this might be the game that you want to stack as the 49ers and Seahawks. We've talked about this a lot. You had talked about Brandon Ayuk earlier, and you have Ayuk listed as one of your sneaky starts. Kendrick Bourne is another guy that you like. Yeah, and he's just basically bumped up from that wide receiver three spot uh, to the wide receiver two spot with uh, Debo out. And again, Seattle, 32nd adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers. Bourne has a tendency to score touchdowns. He's not a big yardage guy. Usually he's, you know, in that 40 to 60 yard receiving range when he has, you know, has opportunity. Um, but in this game against Seattle, you know, you got Ayuk, you got Bourne, you got George Kittle. It's probably going to be the three primary targets for, for Garoppolo. And I, I mentioned earlier that I think he's, you know, pass attempts are going to be up a little bit this week. Um, so, you know, I think Bourne is, if you're really desperate, uh, is not a bad start. He might end up getting you a touchdown or even two. Moving on to some tight ends, we got to call. We of course have to talk about Dick Rogers for the Eagles, or Dick Rod, as uh, John and some of the other four for four writers like to call him. Uh, Dick Rod, sneaky start this week against the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys on Sunday night. Yeah, he had six uh, catches for eighty-five yards on eight targets last week, and you know it's Dallas. They're twenty-fifth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. 
Uh, Carson Wentz is, you know, down to Fulgham and Rager and, and Rogers probably at receiver. So uh, I think we'll, he'll be on the field a ton and should see plenty of, of work. Uh, the Cowboys have given up four for 60 and a touchdown to Logan Thomas last week. Uh, five for 34 and a touchdown to Austin Hooper. Uh, five for 61 to Greg Olson. And uh, Hayden Hurst had a good game against him as well. Five for 72 and a touchdown. So it's just a good matchup and a lot of usage, I think, for Dick Rod. <laughs> you, you you talked about Harrison Bryan earlier for the, for the Browns. Do you have any more thoughts or you want to get to Trey Burton? No, I just, uh, you know, it was impressive. But he, you know, had two touchdowns, 56 yards, uh, receiving four uh, catches. And he played 77% of the snaps, which I think is the key. It, it makes that that line not so much of a fluke. I think he'll be out there a lot, and uh, it's a good matchup against Vegas. All right, and then finally, sneaky start, uh, one more tight end. Trey Burton against the Lions on Sunday. Yeah, Burton has at least five targets in three straight weeks. He scored touchdowns prior to the, you know, two touchdowns in the game prior to the bye, ran, running one in as in the, like as a wildcat situation. Uh, he is playing the most snaps at tight end. He's running the most routes at tight end for, for the Colts. Uh, so he's obviously the guy that they want to be the tight end one there. Mo Alley Cox is back, I think, but you know, he had an injury, a knee injury, but he ran like eight routes, I think, in the game prior to the bye. So he's just not uh, as much of a factor as maybe we thought he was going to be when Burton was out. So Burton is the guy. Uh, the Lions have given up uh, six for 68 to Hayden Hurst, two for 25 and a touchdown to Robert Tanyan, and three for 25 and a touchdown to Jimmy Graham this season. So they've been particularly... Uh, susceptible to getting uh, giving tight ends uh, touchdowns uh, in the red zone, short touchdowns. And they also gave up that 6-68 to 68 to Hayden Hurst. So, you know, the Falcons kind of worked him over uh, with Hurst as well. That's John Paulson. I'm Anthony Stalter, 444.com. Don't forget, Halloween sale is going on right now. You could get a classic subscription for only $9. You get a pro subscription for only 14 or a DFS slash betting subscription we have the betting content wrapped up with the dfs subscription that's only 24 bucks and as john mentioned before with that pro subscription with that you get league sync so if you're constantly like i don't know which which guy to pick up on my waiver wire who's available who's projected to do what league sync takes care of all that for you all you all you do is leagues that you sync up with your league you use an app for it and it'll flat out tell you, look, these are this is the best guy to choose on your waiver wire right now. That's that's the pro subscription. Uh, but if you want to just classic subscription, great, nine dollars pro sub, fourteen, and then again that DFS slash betting subscription is twenty four dollars. It's a great time to hop on four for four if you've if you've been on the fence before. It's our Halloween special. For John Paulson, who you can follow on Twitter at 444 underscore John or me at Anthony Stalter. We'll see you next time on 444.com. It's the most accurate podcast. Good luck in week eight for all your fantasy leagues.